things started to get a little bit easier. Like the taste of, uh, it's kind of like your first retail deal. Like my first retail deal, I was scared shitless. I didn't know what to expect. Um, my first wholesale deal didn't go as planned, but the second one was like the first one for me where I was like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. Um, how, how did life start to look? I was all in on the investing side. I started to build more relationships. I knew that I knew a lot of people in the retail space, but I didn't know a lot of people in the investment space. You know, I, knew, I heard the word flip. What did that entail? I had no idea. So I started to you know, get connected with the people that were doing it and uh, start to work on that side of my business. That's how, yeah, that's how life started to look. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, we are joined by our friend, Luis Caballero. Dude, how are you doing today, bro? Dude, just want to say pleasure to see you guys. Uh, Doing good, man. Just hanging in there. Dude, so last week, uh, for those of you who may have missed last week's episode, we covered part two of our mini series, basically talking about the building blocks of your business. And we talked about the sales and acquisitions process. And you guys will see in a little bit why we wanted to bring Luis in and kind of share his story and some of his experiences. But Luis, to get us started, how did you even get started in real estate, dude? No, oh, dude, that's a that's a great question. So, um, no desire. I didn't even know what real estate was. Um, I started to get like a glimpse of what real estate was when I was in college. So, originally, I was going to Fresno State to become a civil engineer, and. Uh, super transparent here. I cheated my way into Fresno State. So I got into a calculus class and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So I switched to business administration and uh, I was doing okay. Um, but I wasn't performing or doing what I needed to. I was like just passing by. So I ended up going to COS in Visalia and I met my prof- uh, my law uh, pr- business law professor uh, who basically told me like, well, this school is not for you you should look into real estate. So I did. And that's how I originally, like long story short, that's how I got started. That's crazy. I started with civil engineering at Fresno State, uh-huh. dropped out, went to Fresno uh, Fresno City, and then dropped out of Fresno City. So it's literally the same major no that way. we started with. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Do, so you're prof- a business law professor. Like, what's the context there? They do they have experience in real estate? They just pull it out there. <laughs> like, yeah, so, where are they slinging real estate from? <laughs> so uh, she she was uh, studying to become an attorney in Los Angeles and didn't have the funds to go to law school. So she started to sell real estate, and then that's how that came about. And then I would talk to her, and I at the time I was opening up a, a business that I was like I was eight. How old was I at the time? I already had done the business. So I was already 1920 and uh, I was telling her about this and what I did. And she's like, dude, you should look into real estate. And and that's how that got started. She was She's a broker now, but I don't know if she still practices. Wait, and rewind a little bit too. You said at this point, you're 19 or 20 at this kind of last stint in college, but you already had a business prior to that? Yeah. So at 18, I was 20 years old, uh, but at 18, uh, I opened up a business here on Herndon, Milburn. Was a juicery, knew nothing about juices, but it was just more like, oh, start something, start something. And, and we found an investor and did all that. And then I parted ways. And then went, that's when I went back to COS because I was doing that while I was at Fresno State studying to become a civil engineer. Uh, yeah. 
So, dude, so, okay. So, at this point, you have that short little stint of kind of being a business owner, mm-hmm. right, during college. Doesn't work out. You part ways from that business. You're here at COS. This professor's telling you, hey, college, not for you, but try out real estate. So, do you first and go, I mean, at this point, what's kind of the next steps after that for you? When they say real estate, do you go and start doing a bunch of research? Are you looking at being an agent? How does that kind of journey look like after they tell you that? So there was a, um, there was a person at the time in, in Tulare County who was doing a lot of real estate and I shot an email to him. She actually wrote the email for me. It was such <laughs> a great email. I can't write one like that now, but, um, he wrote back to me and said, Hey, get connected with, uh, Wayne Butterfield, who does like the, um, the education part of the real estate classes. And something about me at that time, I procrastinated a lot. Like I, I was the type of guy that I would listen and, oh yeah, I'm going to do it, but never actually did it. Um, and while I was going to COS, I was working at a store called Total Nutrition. And there was a guy that walked in and he had KW and it said real estate underneath. And I didn't know what KW was. So I was like, hey, are you in real estate? And that's how, that's technically how my journey got started. Cause I started to get connected with this guy. I did an interview and then I became an ISA. So I cold called for eight hours a day for eight months straight. Um, and it was, it was a five days out of the week. Holy shit. What was that like? I mean, (laughs) were you, are you an outgoing guy naturally? Are you a little bit more reserved? I'm a little bit more reserved in the beginning. I'm more of an observer, but then when I get to know you, I'm like, I'm outgoing. That was a, that was a point in my life where I had to really push myself to talk to this guy to be like, Oh, what do you do in this? And all that stuff. In the beginning, cold calling was fucking miserable because, really? dude, my first call, we were calling, um, I don't know if it was Laguna Beach or Dana Point, and I got ripped, bro. Like, cursed the heck out, and I th- and I literally stopped because it was Mojo Dialer, and you know how you can stop the call? <laughs> and I stopped, and I was like, dude, I don't know if I want to fucking do this. What am I doing? And uh, at the time he walks in, I told him about my experience. He's like, keep calling, keep calling. So, uh, you know, putting in the reps eventually, I was like, okay, it's okay to be told no. It still sucks till this day to get cursed out because no one wants to get cursed out, but yeah, it was tough in the beginning. Yeah, I just had somebody the other day. Were you in here when I when they got mad at me yeah and they got all crazy because uh she wasn't the legal owner of the home and there was a whole bunch of title issues and i explained to her like hey if we can get past that realistically my price is going to be uh 120,000 mm-hmm. and she wanted 400 and her response was something along the lines of like i can't even wipe my ass with 120,000 <laughs> you piece of baba and just like went off on me <laughs> and then hung up oh no and I looked at Caden, and I was like, oh, that didn't go how I expected. <laughs> and you just have to make the next call. Like, yeah. it is what it is. Dude, so you had that early on, though. My Seven first Seven months? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was eight months of... Uh, eight months. Eight months. But my first call was, was probably the worst call, to be honest with you, because after that, I don't know if I got accustomed to it, but, you know, it was yeah, probably the worst that's, call. That's the one that stands out to you, is like right at the start. Yeah. Yeah. He said something about me. I was going to get sued. And I was like, I'm 20 at the time. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, shit, dude. I'm just coming out of college. I I got nothing to my name, but you can try and sue me if you want. So when you're cold calling, you said eight months, like eight hours a day, five days a week. Like, dude, that's fucking that. That's grueling work, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you calling? And lead generating at this point for listings for this guy's team? Is that kind of like 
the target audience of who you were calling and who you were calling for? Yeah, it was mainly for listings. I think at the time he was making the transition uh, from Visalia to going out to Dana Point. Okay. So yeah, it was mainly just listings. Um, the cool thing was as I as I progressed, it started to become more of a game for me. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to get one appointment and it's all like a numbers game. So I started to f- realize, oh, I make 50 and that, this is an actual number, but it's just to make numbers similar. I was like, oh, if I make 50 calls out of those 50 calls, I'll get two people who are interested out of those two people. I'll, I'll 50% maybe convert one. I'm not sure. So that was cool to kind of like notice that. Um, and that was probably like within month three because it, it was, uh, it was a little bit to like get accustomed to like the, the cold calling being rejected because the, re- the rejection was the worst part. So, and at that point, are you on like compensation wise, right? You're, fresh out of college, you're now hopping in real estate. Are you commission only based on if somebody takes that lead and converts it? Are you being paid hourly? Like what's kind of your financial situation as a, you know, college student or former college student hopping into real estate? So I, I left home nutrition. I started to work for the guy. I was getting 10% if they can, if they close the deal. So it wasn't, you know, they got the listing cool, but the listing had to be sold in order to get the 10%. Then I was also getting paid hourly. I can't remember. Um, what it was, but I think it was less than 10 bucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that was compensation, uh, how that worked. What did you learn from eight months of cold calling right at the start? Consistency and discipline. That's what I learned. That is that, that's, those were the two big takeaways. The, yeah, because my first month I was like, I really wanted to give up my first month going into month two. I started to like, okay, I'm going to keep calling at that month two. I'm just like, I'm in a, a job, all I need to do. I didn't care about the 10%. I just wanted to make hourly. And then month three, I'm like, oh, dude, like I'm trying to get the hang, you know, I'm starting to get the hang of this. It's kind of a numbers game. Um, so I, I think that, does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. The cold calling is, uh, I, I think most people need to start with cold calling mm-hmm. just because, like you said, you just have to get over the rejection mm-hmm. and get to that point where it's like, you know, somebody could say something to me and to this day, some things will get to me, mm-hmm. but a lot of stuff, it's just, I acknowledge that it wasn't the right person and that's just what it is. But I think you're right. That discipline of just saying, okay, I'm going to keep going and keep doing it. I think most people only learn that from something like cold calling or door knocking. Mm-hmm. So those eight months, you know, you're now at the end of these eight months. You said this guy was transitioning to moving from Visalia over to Dana Point. Yeah. And so when that eight months comes up, does this guy officially move to Dana Point and you're kind of sitting there figuring out what's next? He officially moves to Dana Point. Um, I'm still technically working for him while he's out there. And then at that time, I was already working on getting my license mm-hmm. and okay. ended up getting my license. And then we just... Uh, parted ways because it was hard not being up from over there, not knowing like what the area is, not understanding the market. It's a lot harder to cold call those areas, especially, you know, not, not knowing how things work out there. So went to parting ways. And, uh, and then I was, and then I think after the following month is when I was officially licensed. Yeah. And, and so was your, your transition to real estate was mostly as an agent? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you start looking into investing? So my first year was mainly retail. Um, it, Solo or on a team? I was on a team. Okay. Um, it went really well for me. Uh, I was having fun. Year two, 
at the end of year one, I started to realize I was hitting a glass ceiling and I was at a mom and pa brokerage and they didn't have enough time to kind of like, you know, teach me. So they actually encouraged me to go to uh, KW. So I went to KW and that was a, it was scary because I was on my own now and I didn't really have anyone to talk to. And, and also like, you know, you had asked me, I'm more reserved. So it was a lot harder for me to go to the broker and be like, Hey, I have a question. Cause I didn't want to look stupid by asking a stupid question. At least that's what I thought at the time. Um, so year one's retail towards the, uh, the end of year one, I go to KW the middle of the second year while I'm in real estate, I start to struggle financially and I look up what's the quickest way to make some money. And I came across wholesaling and that's how, that's how that started. So I started to, uh, call a lot of expired leads to try to get them a lot lower. And then that's basically how it started was my second, uh, second year. Uh, what do you mean is you started struggling financially? So I wasn't making, I wasn't making a whole bunch of sales in retail. Uh, this was, this was the start of COVID. It was around there. Mm-hmm. Um, when people were like, oh, we don't know if we should buy or not. Uh, that's, that's when that started. So I wasn't making a lot of sales and, and that's what I mean by that. Gotcha. So you start calling a whole bunch of expireds. Yes. Trying to generate leads. And on that point, right? Because that's you said that's a year and a half in. That's halfway into year two, mm-hmm. right? So was that first year in retail? Was that a solid year financially for you? And it was that that half of a year where when COVID hit, where things kind of started to fall through the cracks? Yeah. My first year officially licensed, I sold over 20 homes um, by the help of all, you know my, my broker. Um, and then when I went on my own, that, that again, that's when I started struggling yeah. was, was during COVID. So, hmm. so you pick up the phone, you start calling a whole bunch of expireds. At this point, is your only knowledge about wholesaling slash investing stuff that you've picked up from online when you did that quick Google search? Yeah. The only thing I knew about wholesaling was I know you don't physically close on the house, so I don't need the money to close on it. And I know during the process, I had to I had a certain amount of days to sign it. That's all I knew about it. What did the first deal look like? Oh, man. I learned a lot. So... I I can I start cold calling for uh, these expired listings or I guess warm leads in a way, and uh, I land one and it's in Bakersfield, the out of all places. I go to Bakersfield, and I meet with the seller and I, and I start you know to talk. Hey, why do you think you didn't sell this and this? Well, long story short, I got it locked in for one fifty. It was worth about I don't know uh, between two fifty two sixty, and it was in, it was like a D neighborhood. Well, I ended up getting it locked up and I go back. So now I have this deal in front of me. I have it locked up. I know I needed to sign it. And I start hitting up people that I think would like to buy. The craziest thing is I was already in real estate for a year and a half. And I felt that I didn't have the people, even though I I probably did. I just didn't go out there and put myself out there. I literally looked up, like I, did, I felt like I didn't have buyers. So I literally looked up, we buy houses cash. That didn't go anywhere. Um, I think I at the time I talked to a, a bigger company I won't say who they are, but um, now I know who they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I hit up a, a realtor out of Isilia and he uh, he told me, oh, it's not a great deal. So now I have to go back and negotiate um, with the seller. And a little story about this property. There is tenants on the property. Um, during COVID. During COVID. The tenants once, because the, the seller tried to evict them, they went through the <sighs> eviction process. And then uh, the, the, so the tenant was the, was a mom who was 70 years old. And she had a son who was probably like 40. 
and he was taking advantage of of the living situation and he threatened the seller with a knife like literally you know came out running with a knife so i already have them in the back of my head so i know that i have to sign this property site and scene so i have to get a lower so i talked to uh i talked to the seller and i work a price reduction i got it at 118 now so from 150 to 118 <laughs> and i'm like great i have a great deal someone will be able to buy this site and scene because there's room there well i end up uh going probably like two weeks without assigning it and the seller's hitting me up like hey when are you going to close on this and i'm already like stressing out because it's my first deal i don't know how to go about it so i hit up the guy that i ended up selling it to and he made me an offer for it was five thousand over what i had but it was gonna it was supposed to be sight and scene what i'm getting to is the uh, the day that we're supposed to close or the second day prior to closing i get an email saying hey i'm not going to close on this until i see it i'm like fuck so, um, I end up going to, I, I told him, okay, cool. So I, I asked for an extension. I end up going with some buddies to this house because I tell my buddies like, Hey, you know, the tenants, they're, they're pretty wild. Can you guys come as backup? We drive up to the property the first time we look at the house and we're like, fuck dude, we're not getting down. So <laughs> we, we aborted that mission and then just went to Firestone that day in Bakersfield. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, two days later I ended up going, I'm like, dude, like I have this deal. I'm already struggling. Whatever it takes, I need to get in there. What I learned through this is, is I I had so much fear. And I think by just growing a pair and I knocked on the door and, and, and I got against, got inside and walked, I realized how clean this house was. It was one of the cleanest houses, but I had already given my word to this guy that I had a relationship with. So the biggest takeaway, I ended up selling it. It sold, but the biggest takeaway was, um, for me to, to not be fearful because I didn't walk this property until the literally the second day uh, to close prior to closing. And I got to realize like how much money I left on the table because of how clean this was. All he needed to do was just haul with the trash and probably just list it on the market. That's how my deal went. It, it what should have been a 14 day escrow, I think took 60 days. Holy how crap. did the seller react to all of this? He was cool. Cause I was really communicative and I kept like, you know, talking, um, telling them like, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm getting to my first deal. So there's things that I, I don't know how to say, but I, I know I need to say them. So, uh, like, you know, saying, Hey, I know it's 14 day escrow, but we're still trying to get, you know, money to close the deal. And then I, at times I couldn't sleep at night. Cause I was like, is that the right thing to say? I, I didn't know. Cause again, yeah. first deal. So that was a struggle too. But, yeah. Getting in your head is a problem that I have. Like, mm-hmm. I've had deals where I just way overthink it because usually it's something that the seller told me Mm -hmm. that I took at face value. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing you know, you walk it and you're like, what was I thinking? Like I spent like all this time worrying. Um, That's a good learning lesson from the first one. I mean, that sounds like it was kind of hard. It was hard (laughs) because I took, so get this, I ended up taking pictures and videos. We end up closing on it. And then I, this guy from Bakersfield is a Bakersfield agent was interested in buying it. So I hit him up after the closing. I said, Hey, I'm going to send you the videos and pictures. I'm curious to know it already closed, but I'm curious to know what you would have paid for this. And I would have got, I think it was a $60,000 assignment if I would have sold it to him, but I had already given the the guy my word I had a relationship with. So I made uh, five grand. So yeah, it was tough, dude. It was a tough learning lesson. Wow. What did you do with the five grand? Paid my mortgage. (laughs) Yeah. So you have a mortgage this whole time. Yeah. You, when did you buy your first house? It was in... 2020. So Wait, er, what? Early, earlier that same year you're talking about? Yeah. 
you had bought a house yeah when you were 20 years old how old was i how did you do that um well, my spouse, my my wife, <laughs> she came in clutch. <laughs> <laughs> she she came in with the report yeah, card yeah. And, and everything on paper and got and yeah, got that she, approval going. <laughs> yeah, because she was the one that qualified. I wasn't in real estate for two years. She was the one that qualified, and and then yeah, that's how that worked. You were married at twenty two. Well, technically, we've been engaged for quite some time. So we always say we're husband and wife, but uh, yeah. Wow. Okay, that is all new. I was sitting here and I'm like, you're twenty. How like. You know, what What were you doing, like, uh, to be in a hard financial spot? There's a lot of things you can do to get out of that, like mm-hmm. live with buddies, things like that. You had a mortgage this whole time. That that would keep you up at night. Yeah. So you paid your mortgage with the money that took, you yeah. said, 60 days mm-hmm. and a lot of sleepless nights. A lot of sleepless nights. And you kept going? I kept going. What, what was the next deal? Like, I don't even know if I would have kept going if that was my first deal. <laughs> the next deal... What was the next deal? Is it going remember. back to the drawing? It, well, not even back to the drawing board, but is it going back after that? And is it just going back to hammering expired listings to yeah. try and like at that point, you know, you you get this money influx in, you take care of the bills, mm-hmm. right? And are you going back to exactly what you were doing before with expireds? Are you doing something else? Like kind of... Yeah, I that's that's what ultimately what I did. I, I went back to calling expireds. Excuse me. I think it was three months past before I got my next deal. I honestly cannot remember. Oh, I do remember what the next deal was. Um, three months had passed. I had gotten a listing at the time. I already told myself, maybe I was wrong for doing this, but I'm a I'm a like all in type of guy on something. So I stopped marketing for listings and I'm all in for three months trying to get my next wholesale deal. A listing fell in my lap and uh, I had told them, hey, I know you want to list this for this much, but just so you know, I would pay you this much cash. Six months pass by, the house doesn't sell, and they end up taking my offer. And then I wholesale that to um, a couple buddies and and maintain grant ten grand on that. Yeah. So that's how that my next my the following deal happened. So uh, okay, so you got two two deals now. Yeah. And the ten grand sounds like it was a, a much easier, simpler process. Yes. So at that point, you've got two under your belt. Mm-hmm. What did what did life start looking like at that point? Things started to get a little bit easier. Like the taste of, uh, it's kind of like your first retail deal. Like my first retail deal, I was scared shitless. I didn't know what to expect. Um, my first wholesale deal didn't go as planned, but the second one was like the first one for me where I was like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. Um, how how did life start to look? I was all in on the investing side. I started to build more relationships. I knew that I knew a lot of people in the retail space, but I didn't know a lot of people in the investment space. You know, I knew, I heard the word flip. What did that entail? I had no idea. So I started to, you know, get connected with the people that were doing it and uh, start to work on that side of my business. And that's how, yeah, that's how life started to look. But can you break that down? Like, what were you doing to meet those people and to kind of start finding more consistent deal flow and understand what you were doing more? Well, in all honesty, like, <clears throat> again, I'm a more of a reserved person. So... I wasn't, I wasn't like actively trying to like meet these people. I wasn't sending texts. I was just like, Hey, they happened across my path, thankfully. And, and that's how that happened. I, we would go out to lunch, have a meeting and then, Oh, you should come to my properties, take a look at this. And, and that's, and all, and all that good stuff. I think what really was a good turning point for me was my, my third deal that did not pan out. And it was a, it, a listing in Tulare. So again, I, I'm, I'm not marketing for any more listings, but I don't know how, thankfully, more listings started to come in. 
um, I ended up locking the listing that I had under contract. And I, again, I Googled, we buy houses ca uh, for ca cash because I felt like I, I wasn't giving these properties to the right people that would pay the most. So I look up, we buy houses cash and I meet with this guy named Tony in uh, River Park mm -hmm. at the time where that old Starbucks used to be that's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I see him get out of his car. And, and this is a cool story. I see him get out of his car and I'm like, dude, I don't know if this guy can buy a piece of gum or something like that. Because again, I'm, I'm new to this. I'm, you know, you have this like pr perspective of like the people that buy cash are going to be driving these type of cars, going to be dressing this way. And uh, Vanessa, my fiance, drove me to, uh, to the Starbucks. And I'm like, hey, if I'm not out in 30 minutes, please call me or call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was in, that was towards the tail end of 2020 or 2021. And uh, yeah, long story short, Tony's now a huge mentor to me. That deal didn't pan out through, but through Tony, we've done a numerous amount of deals. And he was ultimately the guy that would say, uh, super humble guy, like has no reason to be helping me, uh, but would say, Hey, come to my properties. Look at this. Like, you see that baseboard? It's 50 cents per linear foot. And you're like, Oh, okay. I don't know what the fuck that means, but cool. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, through time, I've, I, that's what he, he has helped me. He was a bridge between other, other investors and I, uh, and then also the bridge between the knowledge I didn't know. And now that I, I, I know, I don't know anything is what I'm trying to say, but I know, I know a little bit now, I guess. So in terms of deal flow, right, you started at least these first couple deals and dominoes that fell. They were through cold calling mm -hmm. expired listings. I mean, after those first couple deals, how, how was your marketing going in, in terms of leads? Like I know you said a couple of these retail ones that, hey, they started as a retail, may have converted them to an investment. It didn't pan out. But are you doing any sort of mail? Are you continuing to call expireds? Like what's kind of your marketing channel to funnel kind of these leads at this point now that you're a couple deals under your, you know, couple deals under your belt? I think the craziest thing, so to answer that, I, I wasn't doing anything, but the craziest thing, I think I'm, I, I've been really fortunate to have had people in my corner who know that I wholesale. Um, and they literally said, Hey Lewis, like help me wholesale this. Um, it is. It wasn't until actually the beginning of this year, towards the tail end of last year, where like um, we started a market for for leads, like with mailers. I didn't even know who to contact for mailers, to be quite honest with you, until last year. And if anyone that doesn't know, uh, in San Diego, um, I don't. I forget the yellow letter. <laughs> yeah, yellow letter. <laughs> oh, yellow letter. <laughs> uh, but no, dude. I've been I've been really fortunate to have had uh, realtors, uh, other connections that have just have brought me deals, and I've wholesaled it for them for them. But now I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, okay, like I feel like I've been getting through and, and, it, and life's been good, but I really want to um, learn like what does it take to actually market for leads um, and try to get my own my own deals? Because I'll be honest with you, the, the deals that I've done so far, only four of them have been my own. All the rest, I, I like I said, I've been fortunate to have helped others and yeah. Well, dude, and even... I mean, there's still something to say about that, right? Like, cause you know, four of your quote unquote own deals, but especially, and this was like, even before I got connected, it's, it's weird. Cause you know, Visalia Teleri is almost like its own market versus Fresno. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like part of that bridge or part of that gap is starting to be bridged over, but 
for all of these other deals through networking with, you know, other agents in the retail space or, you know, maybe other investors, like just by kind of your organic networking, people coming to you and saying, Hey, can you help me dispo this deal and still being able to convert that into, into a paycheck at the end of the day? You know what I mean? So that's awesome. Well, thanks dude. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, and also just eager to learn like more about the things I don't know. So, yeah. What is, uh, I think everybody gets caught up on the acquisition side too. What mm-hmm. is the disposition kind of side of the business look like for you? It sounds like you've done looking up, we buy houses cash. Mm-hmm. Relationships obviously play a big part. What have you learned about dispositioning deals? It sounds like you've had enough under your belt where you've learned a lot about, okay, how you set expectations, how you actually get follow through. What does that look like? Well, how it looks like it's literally just sending a text to three people. Uh, for me, I think we had talked about this. I'm like, dude, what the hell is MailChimp? Or what, what is it? What <laughs> yeah. your last stuff? Um, yeah, I get a deal under my belt and then I send a text to three people. Uh, hey, uh, this is, uh, this is, this is the deal. These are the numbers. And then for me, like I like to do things with integrity and keep my word. So I let them know, Hey, I send it to this person first who, you know, and you know, I send deals. You're second in line. If they pass up on it, um, you know, then it's yours. That's, that's literally how it looks like. I had a deal in Hanford two months ago, uh, where Tony, I told Tony about the deal first. Uh, it was, he offered me 10 K over what I had it locked in for. Someone else came and offered me 15 over, but I ended up selling it to Tony because I gave it to him first, even though like, you know, you have the, you want to accept the 15. Um, yeah, dude, that's how it literally looks like. And I think by doing that, by just having these three people, but I, I also want to branch out to more buyers, but by having these three people, it's helped me out a lot. It's been, it's honestly been pretty easy to dispo acquiring. It's a lot harder, but to dispo is a, is a lot easier for me. So really? Yeah. Mainly having those three, and those are just three kind of core relationships mm-hmm. from, I know like Tony, you saying a mentor figure, and then these other two, just from your relationships, knowing that, you know, hey, these guys flip, you know, I may have sold a deal or two to them in the past, but these three core guys, I know if I have a deal, I, one of them is going to want it Yeah, if you have a good deal. Okay. Yeah. And we've built a lot of trust where I already know their numbers, just like everyone else. Um, and I say, hey, I think you need to be at this price. And there's been one occasion where it just sent the numbers and said, sure, let's buy it at that price. And, and they didn't end up walking the property and I was scared shitless. I'm like, dude, did I miss something? Or so that's cool. I've, I've built like a strong, a strong trust and, and relationship with, with these people. So it's been pretty cool. You mentioned the acquisitions, the acquisitions part being a little bit harder and I'll rewind a little bit. Cause I want to, I want you to talk a little bit on right on the acquisition side, negotiating and trying to put a deal under contract or even the example of your first deal when it's already under contract, like making the price reduction from 150 to 118, like that is a huge price drop mm-hmm. and kind of how you approach that conversation with a seller. Cause it's also a negotiation, right? You you've already got it under contract, but essentially you're back at the drawing board back to the negotiating table how do you typically handle those ne- negotiations, those conversations w- with sellers? What are you kind of focusing on when you're talking to sellers, either to lock in a deal or negotiate it at a price that you need? So um, I'll talk about the first deal first, and then I'll go on to what I learned. The first deal, I think I got pretty lucky with the price reduction only because it was supposed to be a 14-day escrow, and there was a lot of time that passed, and I think the seller might have been a little frustrated. It was like, yeah, sure, what the heck. <laughs> um, but 
what I know now is like what has helped me get price reductions is to be extremely transparent and to let them know like, hey, this is the obstacle I'm going through and this is what's going to help me get past this obstacle. And I mean, at the end of the day, they don't have to say yes. So transparency has been the number one key with me is like, hey, the reason I need a price reduction is because the foundation is is crap. And I didn't know that when I walked and when I walked it and, and whatnot. So um, that has helped me. And also talking about like the listing sites, like, hey, I know you'd probably don't want to give me a price reduction you'll, and you'll end up listing it, but that issue is going to arise and you're eventually going to have to come out of pocket for that or do a price reduction. So if you're, you know, just being super transparent, I think has, has helped me out a lot with that. What are your like conversations with sellers look like just generally? I mean, are they mostly about the property or about the person or? It's, it ma- a- it's mainly about the person. And give us, give us some ideas of kind of like what that sounds like or what that looks like when you're talking to a seller about their situation. I'll give you a, 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 a recent deal. So we had a deal in Merced and we landed the appointment. The first conversation we were talking about the property and that's why we landed the appointment. And then we get to the property and we start talking about, you know, uh, the four pillars, you know, why do you want to sell the condition, the price and whatnot. But we really, I really focus on like the motivation. Uh, so in this particular case, they were motivated to sell because the house was vacant, but there's more to that, right? Like, I mean, it'd be nice to just have someone say like, oh yeah, it's vacant. That's why I want to get sold. But uh, just focusing on the person in this deal, we found out that there was a, a memory there that they wanted to get rid of. Um, I mean, there was so much. Long story short, like these people, I know their dog's names, if that makes sense. Like it's, it gets, it's, and then the last part, the funny, the cool thing is, when we're now ready to go to the, like the negotiation team, we're like, oh fuck, we need to talk about the house. So what do, what do you guys want to do? That's how that's how I handle things. I do everything really informal, but it's helped me, I guess, not yeah. a lot. I think sometimes actually being informal is better than being formal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we just hired a company to help with some of our uh, like our long term follow up stuff. Okay, and there's a huge push to be informal. And like the texts have like text lingo and abbreviations and spelling errors or grammatical or grammatical errors. And it was interesting because his argument was that, you know, if you're coming from being a realtor, you're used to having kind of this professional persona. Right. When you're an investor, being too professional can be a turnoff to to people that maybe don't understand how to speak like that. And you you don't really want to be, you know, turning people away because you sound overly professional. Right. So I definitely, I've instructed our team to be a little bit less formal mm-hmm. and just kind of treat it like a conversation, like, you know, just a natural flowing, yeah. just as if they were talking to their friend. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. It's just, that's really how I've been. I go to appointments and sneakers, uh, sometimes sandals. I don't know if that helps or not, but it's pretty informal. <laughs> I get flamed all the time for how I dress <laughs> by some of the guys in our office. And they're like, why do you dress like that? Well, I mean, if I show up in a suit to a house that yeah. I'm paying, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 on, like what's the perception you're giving them? Right. Exactly. right? Yeah. You know, I also, I don't have a huge taste to be super dressed yeah. up. Like, <laughs> it's just not, not who I am. Um, I want to hone in more on like what you're saying, talking about that motivation. You're right. I think there's something to be said that somebody will tell us it's one thing like, Oh, it's vacant. Uh, That's not normally why they're selling. How did you kind of get that information that, Oh, there's actually kind of this deep seated emotional thing that they want to get rid of. So on that, 
on that deal, it was, uh, you guys know Dylan Miracle. Shout out to Dylan Miracle. It, him and I went together on that deal. We were basically, it was, can you repeat the question one more time? What? How did you get from just it's a vacant house to there's this emotional memory they're trying to get rid of? How do you make that jump? That seems like that's a pretty protected yeah. motivation. I think just just being straight up with him. Um, Dylan did a, an awesome job. He, he did a lot there. Just kind of just being straight up like, hey, like it's very rare that we run across people just wanting to sell because the house is vacant. You know, like what what else is going on? Like literally just asking that question. I think that's literally what we asked him. Um, and then also, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think we had brought it up. There was a, um, like also being aware of like the your surroundings, right? So like, the back of their windshield it said in loving memory of so like we asked about oh you know was that your son and stuff um so yeah it was just i guess literally just asking like hey you know it's it's rare that we come across people who just want to sell because the house is vacant you know is, you know what what else like has the house been rented before yeah and like as you continue to ask these questions yeah i rented it out to my mom oh okay that's awesome you know having the ability to rent it out to your mom you know, how much was she paying? Oh, she didn't pay because she was my mom. Oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. And, you know, just, I guess, just asking the right questions. Hmm. Yeah. When you're focusing on the people more instead of the property, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I think actually a good, a, a good, uh, we had a deal out in Poppy in Fresno and that was a cool learning experience for me. I kept wanting to lock this deal in. My only uh, focus was the outcome. And it was a lady in her 80s living out in Tennessee. And, um, I, I was just kind of already ready to give up on her. Cause I was like, I didn't, I, it was hard to understand her. And then number two, like the house is vacant. They already, they already ended up technically they flipped the house already. And, uh, it was towards the tail end of my day. And I just ended up calling her. I said, Hey Edith, uh, you know, I'm still interested in buying the house, this and this. And then I just, I guess I just came fairly informal and said, Edith, like, what is the amount you want to net for this house? Or, you know, what is this? Just being straight up, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. And she ended up telling me her number. I'm like, oh, dang, I'll give you that number right now. So, yeah. Um, I guess just being super, super honest and, and asking the right questions. Honest, straightforward, and like not trying to... We were having a conversation about this last week. Like not... You're not trying to be disingenuous or you know, come from a place where you're trying to fluff the conversation just for the sake of fluffing the cut. Like there, there's an aspect of talking to people where, you know, you can't, you know, you can't force yourself to, to care about somebody or, or their situation, right? Like there's a part of you, like in order to be in this business, you have to care about people and their situation and helping solve their problems. Right. Because if you are disingenuous, or trying to fluff all this stuff like people can pick up especially sellers in in these pain points they can pick up on that very easily yeah. you know what i mean there was a, a deal out in san joaquin that we're actually going to tomorrow um we met with this guy named uh his name is mike was a huge farmer has a couple ranches in the central valley i think he has like 47 units something like that well we met up for coffee and it was only supposed to be 30 minutes we were there about an hour and a half and one of the coolest, like most honest dudes I've ever met. And he talked about a story. And I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is you'll, you'll see, but he talked about a story how uh, the water went out on his ranch in Chowchilla and he needed a drill. 
Well, he ended up going to the sky uh, that ended up telling him, telling him, hey, you, you, uh, there's no water in your property. It's going to be 600 bucks. And the reason that stood out to me was because he was like, you couldn't tell me there's no, <laughs> you couldn't tell me that there was, uh, would you be able to tell me there's no water in my property for 300 bucks? And he said, well, um, that's just, that's just how business works. You know, it's 600 bucks. And the, the sad part there was the guy lost all his business. He has multiple ranches. He was going to have him drill all of them. So, uh, what I'm getting to is last week I had to call Michael because I had to give him an offer. He wanted 200 for this property and we need to be at there at 165. And like, again, I'm going back to just being straightforward. I was like, Michael, this is a really hard conversation for me. And it was really odd because I never start the conversations like that. And I was like, um, I don't want to be the guy. Uh, I don't want you to see me as the drill guy, but we need to be at this price for these reasons. And I know that you need to be at, uh, you wanted 200 for the property. Well, it all ended up going good. I got in my head. I'm like, fuck, I said something wrong. He's not going to call me back. Well, he just shot me a text this morning. He's like, Lewis, uh, the number should work. Can you come to the sheriff's lockout uh, tomorrow? So that was cool. I'm learning a lot about not overthinking shit. I think that's like the thing that you have said maybe 10 times in this pod is like overthink, just do it. Turns out to work out uh, how it's supposed to. And and then you just move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's being able to like in terms of that conversation too, it's being able to relate something back to some like something that the seller told you, right? That goes back to building trust and building rapport. Like a lot of times we overcomplicate it, but Hey, being able to have that trust there, being able to have that relationship there and be honest in a straight, straight shooter and be like, look, Michael, I, I don't want to be this, you know, I, I don't want to come across like I'm this drill guy, but you know, I got to be at 165 because of X, Y, and Z. And I know you're at 200, like, mm-hmm. and just sharing that bro. and not trying to sugarcoat it, being able to relate it to something he shared with you and just being straightforward, open, honest. And dude, I, look at that. He yeah. calls you and says, Hey, can you meet me at the sheriff lockout tomorrow? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the pod is really aimed at people who haven't done their first deal or maybe have only done a couple deals. Mm -hmm. You've done more than a couple deals and you've done it in a different way than most people. Like if you were looking back and talking to yourself or you're talking to somebody else, like what's the advice that you give to people right now who are trying to kind of make that jump or make it past that first deal or their first few deals? I would say um, if it was a, some quick advice, I would say, hey, just start calling expired listings. But if I if I were to really sit down and talk and be like, I, w- I would recommend them to get connected with people who are already doing uh, doing this. And then something I didn't do was put yourself out there. Like, don't be afraid to uh, to tell these people, hey, I wholesale. Even though you've never wholesaled, like tell them. And you never know, you might get someone calling you and say, hey, I need help wholesaling this property. That's what I would recommend. Uh, the things that I didn't do was, was put yourself out there. Cause yes, I've wholesaled a couple deals, but I feel like, um, I probably looking back at it probably would have became more fat qu- quicker with knowledge, like on, on how, how does this work? If I just would have put myself out there, cause I could have picked up the phone and, and, uh, you know, hit, hit someone up like, Hey man, I know you've been doing this for a while. Can we sit down and can you teach me? But I just, I had fear of doing that cause I didn't want to look like a, an idiot. So that's what I would recommend is just put yourself out there. Where's, where do you think the best place to put yourself out there is? Uh, well, you could Google <laughs> We Buy Houses Cash and then whoever picks up the phone, invite them to coffee. Or, um, <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, probably going to meetups and, and you know, connecting with people. But that's the other thing too. Like, um, some people do go to meetups, but 
they just sit there. It's like you just, you could have just watched it from you know your screen back at home or something. Yeah. You know? So if you do go to these meetups, like get connected with people and get connected with the right people. So anyways, who are, but who are the right people? I guess that's a question. That's a great question. Um, I don't Is know. It, you'll, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> you'll be able to tell. Yeah. No. I. I don't know. I mean, just the way that they speak or if they've done deals, I guess. Like, you'll know by asking them questions, you know, the person you talk to. Whether somebody's legit and willing to give or versus somebody who may be walking around with kind of puffing out their chest, essentially. Yeah. 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 We had, we, I don't know if I should bring it up, but we had a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a term you used, not mouthy. Uh, you know what I'm referring to, right? No. Uh, it was a, a, a Baco deal. And, uh, oh, a yapper. A yapper. There you go. Be careful. <laughs> Sony's just always yapping. And then they, yeah. they're, they're just blowing smoke and have nothing of yeah. substance to say. I think that's the word you use. But be careful with the yappers. <laughs> when did I say this? After lunch. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't mean to expose you like that. <laughs> I don't know who I was. Uh, the name doesn't matter, but anyways, yeah. Uh, well, dude, and I think there's an aspect to I'm and and we've and you've shared this even with some of the coaching students who have come in, and it's kind of in the roadmap, even kind of the game plan that we give them is, hey, it's a uh, almost when you start it, it's there is something to be said about faking it till you make it, right? Like yeah. putting it out there, who you are what you're doing and, and what your goals are, whether that's through social media, whether that's through organic networking with, you know, other people in the space or even your sphere. Like it sounds like, again, to repeat, that's kind of how some of these first deals started to pop up for you was, you know, kind of these organic connections and just saying, Hey, this is what I've got, or this is what I'm doing. Yeah. So dude, where can people find you, uh, online on social media? What's the best way to find you or get a hold of you? Social media. Um, I think it's Luis underscore Caballero 22. Boom. Um, again, I'm really reserved, so my account's private. Just ask to follow <laughs> me, and then I'll follow you back. <laughs> I don't know how that shit works, but yeah, follow me there. Uh, or just uh, shoot me a text. Do I say my, I should probably say my number, huh? You yeah. can if you, you can. If you want. If you want deals. <laughs> yeah, we all want. 559-991-6516. You can hit me there. Uh, but yeah, find me on social media if you want. Um, yeah. Dude. Well, thank you so much bro for coming on sharing some knowledge sharing your story guys if you want to hear more connect more with lewis reach out to him on social media shoot him a text and we will see you back next week on the pursuit of property podcast let's do it thanks guys